0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, elder care in Minnesota, 4th of July, safety, and the twins at midseason. But first, lawyers get excited, but a lot of other people just yawn when judges issue rulings. That certainly was not the case this week when the nation's highest court issued decisions in two high-profile cases. MNN's Bill Werner is here to discuss further.
1: Well, Scott, you know what they say, the Supreme Court rules and <laughs> it certainly did rule when it comes to news coverage this week, starting with a Tuesday decision upholding President Trump's ban on travel to the US from eight countries, including six Muslim majority nations. That ruling brought quick reaction from Minnesota's Somali community, Jelani Hussein with the Council on American Islamic Relations.
2: We see that the executive branch and the judicial branch of our of our nation has sided against the Muslim community, but we believe in the legislative branch. And so we're going to have to elect people who will hold up the U.S. Constitution in this critical
1: time. Republicans applauded the ruling. President Trump called the high court's decision a victory for the Constitution. Jim Hagedorn, Republicans endorsed candidate for U.S. House in Minnesota's first congressional district, agrees.
3: We've seen examples time and again of people who have migrated here from countries that hate America. They've engaged in terrorism major assimilation issues, and then welfare fraud. We've seen that recently in Minnesota.
1: Hussein, with the Council on American-Islamic Relations, warns...
2: This decision by the Supreme Court may actually also fuel anti-Muslim incidents across the country because it will only embolden Trump and his policies and his Islamophobic rhetoric that has uh, cost lives and damages to our communities across the nation.
1: Hagedorn responds, officials have a responsibility to protect and defend the United States.
2: Especially
3: from terrorist nations, Islamic terrorist nations, and from countries that hate America, we're going to be extremely careful of who we bring into our country.
1: Democratic Congressman Keith Ellison, who's running for Minnesota Attorney General, says the U.S. Supreme Court upholding the President's ban on travel from Muslim countries should scare every American.
4: What it says is, then the Supreme Court will not ask what is the intent, what is the purpose behind a piece of uh, an executive order. He'll just say if the president says it, and if you come up with any fake justification for it, then that's the law.
1: Hagedorn responds. People like myself who want to
3: partner with President Trump and keep America safe, protect us from our enemies. You know,
1: I'm on that side. The day after its decision on the president's travel ban, another landmark ruling. On a 5-4 to four vote, the Supreme Court ruled that public employees who do not want to join their agency's designated union cannot be forced to pay what are termed fair share fees. DFL-endorsed candidate for Governor Aaron Murphy calls that ruling an attack on working families, but adds...
5: The decision today is not going to harm our unions, but instead serve to energize union members energize the labor movement.
1: But Republican State Representative Steve Draskowski from Mazeppa calls it a huge win for workers.
2: If there's
5: any attack, it's an attack
2: on union bosses and their uh, forced compulsory union membership that they have developed policy for uh, over many decades in this country. Kim
1: Crockett, lead attorney for Minnesota-based Center of the American Experiment, a conservative think tank, contends because of the U.S. Supreme Court's decision on fair share union dues this week. Public
5: employers in Minnesota must immediately stop deducting agency fees from public employees because they have not received an affirmative consent from those employees to deduct them. State
1: Management and Budget Commissioner Myron Franz says his department is reviewing the high court's ruling and, quote, will take any necessary steps to ensure Minnesota is in full compliance with the law. Franz's boss, Governor Mark Dayton, calls the Supreme Court's decision, quote, just the kind of terrible judicial activism which some justices profess to deplore. This certainly was a barn buster week for high ripple effect rulings from the U.S. Supreme Court, but as they say, wait, there's more. Shortly after the union dues decision, Justice Anthony Kennedy announced he is retiring from the high court, a move with tremendous long-term political implications. We bring in Hamlin University professor David Schultz to explore that. It gives Donald Trump
3: the opportunity to replace a conservative swing justice with somebody who will probably be fully conservative and, and really tip the balance of the court um, even more so for probably the next generation.
1: What issues then come potentially into focus? I assume Roe v. Wade is one of them. Yeah, one of
3: the areas where Kennedy has disappointed conservatives is in the hope that Kennedy would have gone on the bench and overturned Roe v. Wade. And he has actually affirmed uh, Roe versus Wade in a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy. I suspect that's going to be one area where you see Justice Ke- or the replacement for Justice Kennedy um, perhaps make a significant difference. The second area is that uh, Justice Kennedy has been perhaps the driving force on, on many of the, the gay rights cases. While this past term... Um, he did not side with the gay couple who wanted to be able to buy a wedding cake from a um, bakery in Denver, in Colorado area. Nonetheless, um, Justice Kennedy um, wrote almost all the major opinions affirming gay rights um, in the last, well, literally since the Supreme Court started hearing the cases.
1: Do you think there's a possibility that, that even same-sex marriage might be undone?
3: The issue of marriage equality is probably over at this point, that the number of couples who are married um, it would be, is it, it, probably in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe in the millions. We don't know at this point. And I think it would be impossible to sort of roll that back. Where I see a potential halt will be in terms of interpreting civil rights laws to protect um, gays and lesbians and transgender people in terms of workplace housing, and other forms of discrimination, um, or against other forms of discrimination.
1: Let's go back to Roe v. Wade. Is there, in your opinion, a, a significant possibility that that could be overturned?
3: I wouldn't necessarily expect a direct overturning of Roe v. Wade, but perhaps continued erosion of that precedent, um, in thereby leaving Roe, at least in theory on the book's but placing more limits on a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy.
1: That's Hamlin University Professor David Schultz.
0: Scott, thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this.
6: Who might you save?
7: Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, and son.
6: Learn fast, F-A-S-T, the sudden signs of a stroke, and you could save.
7: Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach.
6: F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, T, time to call 911. F-A-S-T, face, arm, speech, time. That's F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, T, time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of...
7: Your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather.
6: So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on, because you never know who might save you.
7: Your wife, your colleague, teammate,
6: mother... Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Veteran local journalist Diana Pierce has teamed up with Blue Cross Blue Shield for a new video series focusing on the challenges and rewards of elder care. It's a topic that's having a significant impact on more and more of us as our population ages, and it's a topic Pierce knows well.
5: I'm very proud to be part of this series. This is a very personal situation for me. I was uh, uh, Caregiver for my mom for over 14 years in the state of Minnesota. I was also fortunate to be able to have lots of help along the way, making decisions, especially health decisions. She had, my mom had a catastrophic stroke, and um, right after that time, she was living in California. It became clear to my older brothers and myself that she needed more help uh, than living at home. And initially, we thought yeah, having kind of some in, in-house, in-home help would be sufficient, and, and that wasn't enough. So we, as a family and with my mom making this decision, decided to move here her to Minnesota. And so through the years, I was able to be, and she was able to join my family and uh, do different things. But, you know, kind of to the time after the stroke, you know, her ability to do, do things and be fully independent became less and a little less until the point where she was in a wheelchair for some of the final years of her life. But what this whole series shows is that many of us are caretakers, and we don't even assign that name to it. We're we're just helping mom or dad. And um, a lot of us, that's one in ten Minnesotans, are acting as a full-time caregiver for an older or disabled adult. And uh, what this series does is it shines a spotlight on several of us, my story included, but uh, stories of all kinds of different types of caregiving. Um, and the, the common thread is we want to do the best for our loved ones. And so I think that that's what we see. I, and it's um, beautifully done. I think there's a lot of um, heartfelt moments as people share their stories as well. Um, when Blue Cross Blue Shield decided to, you know, focus in on this, they asked for volunteers within the system, and they got several different uh, stories uh, being offered up. And so these are just some of the stories uh, that that were shared. And so I think all of us um, felt that this caretaking time was, in my case, it was a gift. One of the the women that I interviewed said she was honored to be the one that stood with her mother. as her life was sunsetting. Those are her exact words. And I just thought that that's really just a beautiful sentiment for what caregiving is in the state of Minnesota.
0: You know, you, you mentioned that more and more Minnesotans are are having to uh, give care to elderly parents and, and relatives, and it's something that uh, I, I can understand the concept of that being an honor for us as children to sort of give back to our parents who have given so much to us, but they're it's also challenging because it's a time commitment, and uh, I think one of the challenges, and maybe you can address this, is how do we find time in our already busy lives to, to do this and, and, and make it work so that we are not overextending ourselves and offering the best care that we can provide? Is that something that's addressed in the series?
5: Absolutely. I think almost every one of the families that I interviewed they all talked about that. And so the reality is um, average caregiver spends 24 hours a week providing care. And so if you throw that in and also you're raising kids and you've got a job and you're trying to take care of, uh, you know, a loved one, that's a lot going on. And I think um, the point behind the series is to let people know that there are resources. You don't have to do everything by yourself, and you don't have to feel like you're the only one doing this. There's so many involved. And in addition to information that you can see at blog.bluecrossmn.com, you can always check out the Senior Linkage Line. That's a free service offered by the state of Minnesota that connects you with resources and social services very important for a lot of these families just to try and find a little bit of additional help. And um, I know that uh, that there are times when it can be frustrating and you don't know where to turn. Well, again, this series points out that um, you don't have to feel that way, that there are resources, there are places you can turn. And even it's just sometimes just to let off a little steam you know? And we all go through that. And um, so I, I just want to assure people as they watch the series, maybe they have something in the back of their mind that they've got going on with one of their their loved ones. This is the time to start the conversation. The time to, to, to do that is when everybody is still fully, they've got all their mental facilities and, and capable of doing things. It's better to understand what a power of an attorney is for especially the kids in the family, it's better to understand what a living will is and what the wishes are of loved ones. And so, as a result of my mom having the foresight to have both a living will and uh, then when we set up power of attorney, we kind of under- we, we understood that ahead of time. Initially, power of attorney, when my mom was out in California, was with my two brothers out in California. And when we moved her here, then we switched over that power of attorney to me. And so and that was so critical in so many decisions, especially having all of that available when we were making decisions with her doctors and when she was hospitalized if those all those types of things would the questions would be there until so we had the documents to provide to healthcare um workers. So uh and once a year probably we had to go over you know, review them and, and revise them as needed. But um, I'm glad I had all of that. Not everybody does that. And so, you know, if, the, if nothing else, this series is to, to kick off questions, hard questions, and what, what will you do?
0: Thank you to my guest, Diana Pierce. For more information on the video series and to find out more about elder care resources, you can visit blog.bluecrossmn.com. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The countdown to 4th of July is here, and with that comes an increase in emergency room visits due to firework-related injuries. Tasha Radel has more.
8: Holidays like the 4th of July and other celebrations can be fun times with great memories. But rule number 1 is make sure everyone knows about fireworks safety. Joining me now is state fire marshal Bruce West.
2: Number 1, we always want people to have fun over the 4th of July, but if you're using fireworks, make sure you use the legalized fireworks that are allowed in Minnesota and make sure that the super you have supervision you know, around anybody that's using fireworks. Obviously, you know, if children are using fireworks or they're, you know, they're doing whatever with some of the legalized fireworks, maybe the ground spinners or snappers or the ever-popular sparklers. But we just want to make sure that the, your fireworks usage is supervised. We don't want anybody to be visiting the emergency rooms across Minnesota you know, because of a fireworks injury.
8: And then, you know, I was going to ask you this question, too. I don't think people realize, for instance, you brought up kids and sparklers. I don't think people sometimes remember how hot these things can get.
4: Oh,
2: absolutely. Sparklers, they, you know, especially you see a lot of people, they'll put two together, you know, because it's a bigger thrill. I mean, it's it's more visible and they'll spin them around in a circle, you know, and heck, I did it as a kid. You know, but, uh, you know, the sparklers, and then what we would, I remember doing this. When we were done with them, we threw them on the ground. And, you know, as a kid, I was running around with bare feet. And so that's what we don't want to happen is they're using that sparkler, they throw it on the ground, and that sparkler is still hot. They can burn up to 1,200 degrees. They're a lot hotter than people ever think.
8: And, Bruce, I don't even want to admit that this happened to me last year when we were up at our lake cabin. Uh, it was over the 4th, and you know the, just the, I don't know, the generic little firecrackers, you know, that you, you know what I'm trying, just the little packet of them. Yeah. Well, I don't know if a, the fuse was missing or I don't know, but we were all sitting around the campfire, and someone must have thought that this pack was, I don't know, fizzled out or was a bad thing, and all of a sudden it just started sp- barking, and um, obviously people shouldn't be throwing any remnants of fireworks into that bonfire.
2: No, no, I mean, and, and you know, and I, I could see it happening where somebody takes a, what's called a dud, you know, and they throw it in that campfire, and uh, that's going to potentially cause, you know, some injuries also, and I think that's so important. Don't ever try to relight a firework that does not go, you know, again, we call it a dud, you know and you know unfortunately if that firework isn't going to go just throw it away throw it in that that bucket of water
8: and you know I do I know I do this story every year but it seems like um from your experience of all the years that you've been involved uh there uh we always see injuries this time of year I mean it's it's not something that goes away
2: you know unfortunately you're right you know we get injuries every year and and I will say the male population is is the worst uh, when it comes to fireworks and and the usage and then fireworks injuries. You know, but it's both the male and female. Every Minnesotan, you know, can have have, uh, injuries, you know, due to, you know, doing things incorrectly, you know, with fireworks. But, you know, and then uh, some people visit our neighboring states and get, you know, some of the illegal uh, fireworks, which I call recreational explosives, you know, things that will project into the air, you know, and they explode, those are not legal in Minnesota. Any ground-based type of firework is legal in Minnesota. Your fountains, your, you know, your uh, snappers, you know, things like that, that are on the ground, they're ground-based, and that's what's legal in Minnesota. But when it comes to injuries, another area that concerns me a lot is with the zero to nine age group because we know children just love fireworks they like to see you know especially with the sparklers when you you're circling or putting it in a big circle you can see the outline of of that sparkler and things and in a safe way they're fun there's absolutely no doubt but you know we get 18 to 20 percent of our reported injuries in fireworks every year that we get from hospitals across the state are in the zero to nine age group. And that concerns me.
8: Thanks again to my guest, State Fire Marshal Bruce West. From all of us here at MNN, have a happy and safe 4th of July holiday. Back to you, Scott.
0: Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this.
7: Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition Program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today, call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook and be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As we wrap up the month of June and roll into July, the Minnesota Twins are in an interesting situation. MN M&M Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with Baseball Prospectus Editor-in-Chief Aaron Gleeman on Minnesota Matters.
9: Well, Aaron, the Twins, as we sit here ending the month of June, heading into July, I think it's fair to say in general terms a bit of a underachieving unit at this point, but they have had to deal with some things in terms of injuries, in terms of uh, lack of performance by some of the guys they were counting on.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think... The, the source of optimism in the second half of last year was so many young position players stepping up, and you had one of them, Polanco, suspended before the season even started. Buxton and Sano have been injured or unproductive or both, uh, and the guys who have stepped up, Eddie Rosario and Eduardo Escobar, have been great, but the rest of the team, whether it's veterans like Brian Dozier or all those young guys, the the, the lineup has just— been a huge weakness when it was supposed to be the biggest strength.
9: And you think about their catcher is out for the year. Now, he wasn't a huge offensive threat, but I think handling a pitching staff and those kind of things were important. Maurer missed a chunk of the season, uh, and and so, you know, you've got some things. Santana, who was supposed to be their best pitcher, hasn't thrown an inning
4: yet. Yeah, and that's, like, the incredible thing is they've had so many injuries and suspensions on the offensive side that the fact that they lost their veteran number 1 starter, who, by the way, this time last year was an All-Star. Right. It's, like, gone under the radar, and that's been one of the more frustrating things because he had he had finger surgery uh, in, in spring training, basically, as soon as we reported to camp. And initially it was like, well, we're hoping late April, early May. And I think there's a very realistic chance that you may never see him in a Twins uniform again, which the way last year ended with him struggling in the wild card game after being so great all season – That'd be a real shame because they have an option on him for next year, but if he can't show that he's healthy this year, there's no way they can pay him $15 million for next year.
9: Yeah, Is there a, th- a shred of optimism in that Polanco will be back? Maybe, maybe not Santana. Can Sanoan Buxton become productive again? I mean, Can Twins fans say, hey, there may be some meaningful baseball yet this year?
4: Yes. I mean, I think at some point, unless they really turn it around, those late-season games are not going to get them uh, close enough to Cleveland that they'll matter, but in the bigger picture— it might even be more important. I mean, this team is going nowhere in the next three to four years if they cannot get a lot of those names right. Mm -hmm. And that that means healthy, that means reasonably productive, that means some level of consistency with Buxton and Sano and even someone like Kepler and Polanco and Eddie Rosario keep him going like he's been because he's been great and Barrios has been great. But they have so many young guys that during the second half of last year created so much reason for optimism and almost all of them have fallen off the table this year. And I think, yes, it would be great to see them make a run here and make these games meaningful for a playoff race – but in for 2019 and beyond, those are the building blocks. And if you can't establish that you can actually build things on those blocks, <laughs> then you got to tear the whole thing down and, and start waiting for Royce Lewis to show up in three or four years. Right.
9: Um, another quick question on that. We're a month away from the trade deadline. Um, as it stands now, I mean, it looks like you're probably trending toward being sellers. I mean, they'd right. have to really play hot baseball here in the next few weeks. What is, in your mind, the cutoff as to where – you know what number behind Cleveland do they have to be if all of a sudden they're going to say, "Hey, we have a chance here. and We might go acquire somebody." As opposed to what number it's going to take to say, "Let's start shipping off some of these guys that are expiring on contracts."
4: I think because of how last year happened, where they traded off, they didn't <laughs> they didn't become you know wholesale changes or anything, but they traded off the closer, and then a couple weeks later they went, "Let's uh, now we're now we're back in this yeah. thing." They may be a little more hesitant to to sell off pieces, but the other thing is, if you look at the roster. And the obvious candidates to trade are the guys on one-year deals or guys even on two-year deals. The majority of them have been pretty bad. I mean, mm-hmm. those are, that's one of the big reasons guys like Logan Morrison and Lance Lynn and Brian Dozier, they've struggled. And Irvin Santana hasn't, right. even, hasn't even pitched yet. So the guys that you would normally point to and say, well, these are the ones they would trade off for some long-term help, I don't really see teams going after them. Dozier, I think, is the one guy just because of his track record that you could maybe get something for. How
9: about uh, Escobar? Could they get something for him?
4: They could. Here's the the tricky part with Escobar is, one, I think the fans would revolt at mm-hmm. this point because he's been just fantastic. Right. Dating popular back to guy. last year and super popular guy. There's still, I hope, some some reason to think they might make an effort to re-sign him. The other thing with Escobar, and this was where Dozier was until he struggled, they can make him a qualifying offer as a free agent. And if he turns that down, then they get a first-round pick when he signs elsewhere. Joe Maurer's
9: contract expires. No one's going to take all that money on, but is there a possibility where the Twins dare trade the
4: hometown guy for something? I don't think they – I mean – that's it's a little bit like the second base thing how many contenders need a light hitting good defensive first baseman there aren't many Maurer also has the ability to block a trade I don't see him accepting yeah. that uh, I think more likely is if he struggles down the stretch I think this might be it for him if he plays well down the stretch I could see him and the twins getting together and saying how about a one-year deal for five million bucks we bring you back one more season hopefully you're healthy because if you think back before he went on the DL this year and for most of last year he was really good pretty good yeah uh, he was gold glove caliber first baseman he's still hitting for a high average so i think it'll i think that will sort of play itself out if he finishes this season banged up and he's hitting 270 that might be it for him mm-hmm. i don't see him going anywhere else whether it's at the trade deadline or as a free agent
9: well, how can we find your stuff
4: uh baseball prospectus i'm the editor-in-chief or you can always find me uh tweeting about the twins at aaron gleeman on twitter
0: That's Mike Grimm with Aaron Gleeman talking Twins Baseball. Thank you for listening this week. Please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.